welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So hello, I'm really happy to be here. Um, I'm just going to kind of share a bit about my life and things I've gone through and just finding freedom from both, from a lot of things, both, like I'm somebody who I kind of go all in, and so I kind of went all into the world for a bit, and really not knowing who I was, and then I went all into religion for a while, and got trapped in both of those things, so I'm just going to like share my story, and what I've learned from it, and yeah, Um, just talk about how doing life with God. So, um, I just, when I was a little girl, I really came to know Jesus, um, very, very intimately. Like, I was, I just remember five, like, being five years old and this, this child of wonder and adventure. I loved being in the woods, but every night I would pray to Jesus and I would, um, like I had a little picture of him, the you know Western interpretation of what Jesus would look like, and I would just kiss him every night before bed, and I would talk to him before I'd go to sleep just out loud, um, and you know, I would loved going to church and singing Jesus loves you, and um, I just had that real heart for him and fully 100% believed in him that he was real and he was so real to me, and. Um, I think as a child you have that same belief in your parents that they're wonderful and they're perfect and in every way and as you grow up you just you learn that your parents aren't perfect because none of us are and um, so around 8 to 12 years old my family completely just fell apart like the family and the perfect family I knew we had Um, my parents decided to get a divorce and my dad was quite abusive growing up to my mom um, for years before that, like, I just remember they'd get in these horrible fights at night and slamming would happen, yelling would happen, um, things would get broken into the house, in the house, and I would sometimes just hide in my closet and pray, and, um, my mom got hit a few times, and, but that really, I don't know, that didn't affect me that much as a child, like, it was normal to me. But then when they actually went through a divorce, that's what really affected me. Um, So my dad left and went to live with his mom, and um, my mom came out and became a lesbian. So she, um, like neither one of those things, well, the lesbian, I guess, part did affect me because, just because as a child, it was so drilled into me that that was wrong. And, but divorce was never really drilled into my head that that being wrong, I just never thought that was a possibility. So, um, but I loved my mom and my mom was perfect in my eyes. So, you know, I had my dad saying that that's really, really wrong and my mom saying this is who I am. And so I just, um, as a child, I was like, love one. Like I loved my mom and I just didn't care. Um, So, yeah, so that happened and, but because my dad had worked in a church and my whole family had gone to church, we, when that happened, we stopped going to church. Um, like my dad was a, a deacon in the church. Um, but we just completely stopped going. I think I went with my dad a few times when I'd see him on the weekends. 
but um, I started to believe that people in church were hypocrites. Like that started coming into my mind. Um, just because we'd go to church and we were this perfect little family before, you know, we'd always hide the fact that we argued and fought, or my parents argued and fought. Um, so when they got a divorce and my mom became a lesbian, I was like, oh, well, that whole world doesn't really seem real. Like this perfect picture that we paint um, of how our lives are when we go on Sundays. Um, and so just growing up, and you know, you're, you're about 12 years old, you're starting to experience hormone changes. I wanted to know who I was. And um, all these new things were being introduced to me as I grew up. And um, so I just decided, you know, I'm just going to find out who I am because you see in media what girls are supposed to be like. And I've always been told to be this specific girl. And my dad always called me his little girl, but going through all this, I just wanted to rebel. And I wanted to find out who I was. So um, I didn't want to be a little girl anymore. And I, I used to go by the name Sarah back then, and because uh, my first name is Sarah. And so I was like, I'm not going to be Sarah anymore. I'm going to go by my middle name. I'm going to be a whole new person. Uh, I'm going to go by Cammie, um, which is my middle name, Camille. So I changed my name, <laughs> went to school, told everyone, nope, there's my name now, and um, changed my name and just started to f try to discover who I was. And so I was like, who does the world say I'm supposed to be? So, you know, friends influence you and that kind of stuff, and unfortunately, I wasn't the best at making friends, so I was a little bit of an outcast and, like, a little, a little nerdy girl. Um, but... Like, I just, my biggest question in my heart is, who am I? Um, so as I got into the teenage years, I really struggled with depression. Um, they put me on lots of medication, lots of stuff for um, things that we were going through with the family because we were going through this big court case for several years. Um, and so they, we were always in therapist and going on different medication and stuff. And that would really send me on highs and lows and crashes and... Um, I struggled with suicidal thoughts, um, especially on the coming off the medication, and um, I just didn't know who I was, but art had always been there, like, in my life, and so I always just kind of turned to art, and I would draw some weird stuff, like, thinking back of the stuff I drew, I was like, oh my god, if, I, if anyone saw that, they'd be like, what is wrong with that girl? <laughs> um, but it was all, like, this cry for help of, like, who am I, what is ha going on in this world? Um... And I think it's that thing that you want to be known by somebody. And when your life is just kind of like going in different directions, you feel like, especially being an introvert and shutting yourself in your room, it's like, and seeing movies and stuff, it's, um, I want to know who I am, but I also want people to know who I am. I want to be known. And I think that's just because we're made with that desire in our hearts. God made us to be known uh, by Him. And when you don't know Him, you don't know kind of how to, he knows you. And so um, I just fully embraced this whole spirit of the world. Um, I embraced everything the world told me to be as a woman. I started, like, dressing like I saw the celebrities on TV or the girls on TV. I wanted to be, um, just try to find who I was. So, and I think it's interesting that, like, it all... St 
came down to this root of identity. And that, thinking back in the Garden of um, Eden, like that was kind of Satan's first attack on Eve, really, was her identity of, um, you know, because they were happy there, and, and Satan's like, if you eat this, she's like, oh, if we eat that, God said we would die. He's like, no, you will be like God. And, you know, she saw... It says she saw that the fruit was both pleasing to the eye, but good for wealth and knowledge. I think that's what it said. And um, so she ate it. And so it kind of questioned her identity as, who are you? Um, Or you could be this. And um, when I think of those times when I was trying to be so in the world and growing up, and this lasted until I was 19 years old, um, just it, I see it as like this blanket that I just tried to wrap around myself and kind of cover myself with of um, let's go party let's go drink let's go smoke pot let's go um, just do things to get noticed do things to have friends do things to find myself and um, it always left me very empty um, but I just kept covering myself up with even more of this blanket to try to see it as a comfort. Um, and it really is just that blanket of lies that promises that comfort and security. Like, if, if you do what the world says, if you pursue this in this way and this order, this is what's go- like how you're going to find success. But really, I think it just brings lies and pains because we're not meant to be like everyone else. We're supposed to be ourselves and know God for ourselves. Um, and those lies are what like hinder us from seeing and hearing the truth that God wants to speak to our hearts. Um, and it hinders our view of, of God as well um, and of who we are. <coughs> But he never leaves us. Like, even in those times, I can look back and see so many areas where God was with me, even though I didn't see it then. Um, And even in those states of when we're completely rebelling, because like I said, I knew Jesus as a young age. And I chose, once once, like that whole thing happened in my family, I chose to ignore him. Because Jesus, to me, as a child, was associated with church. And because I believe church to be hypocrites, um, I was like, you know, I still believe in Jesus, but I'm going to hold him here with me, not, but not connect with him anymore, um, and I want nothing to do with church. And so I, st- I always believed in Jesus, but I never chose to connect with him. Um, I think sometimes I would pray, but... It was just like quick prayers of, oh, please don't let this happen. Please don't let me have a really bad hangover tomorrow. Like, please don't let me fail this class. Those kind of things. Um, (laughs) And so, but just looking back, and there was a few stories that I just want to share in those seasons before we move to how I came out of that, um, where God was really with me. And... One of my favorite stories is, like, what I know to be an angel. Um, I was out drinking with my friends. We were out, I don't know, it was like 2 a.m. We were 16, so we can't get into any clubs, and we're downtown Charleston. 
and there's this really cool club with these big windows outside of it and we're across the street we're like it's 2 a.m we can see all those people dancing we can hear the music let's dance here on the streets so we're three 16 year olds and we're just uh, no there was four of us um and we were just dancing and it was me and my best friend were the real crazy ones um and the other two the couple that was with us they kind of were just like i think they came to keep an eye on us to make sure we didn't get too much trouble um but somehow me me and christina ended up on our own and we're like let's go to see if we can get in the club and you know we're 16 we're we're not dressed that modest and we're gonna go try to get into this club So we cross the street and we start walking towards the club and there was this little alley side street right before the club. And this guy comes out and there's a lot of people right outside the club trying to get in. And this guy comes out dressed in like a worker's uniform, you know, those yellow vests. And he had like a surveyor, I don't know what you call them here, but they're like those little teepee things where they survey the land or whatever. And he was like, girls. And we looked at him. Um, and for some reason we just felt totally okay with him again we had been drinking and he was like "Um, you girls need to go home because those guys are following you and we looked back and right now it was just me and my best friend I don't know where the other two had gone Um, and we looked and maybe a block or two behind us were these three older guys and they were looking at us but they were kind of far back and um we were like, oh, really? And he was like, yeah. And the seriousness of how he said it, we were like, we should go home. So we ended up crossing back over the street and finding our friends and, and leaving, going home. It wasn't until years later that I thought about that night, and I was like, what was a surveyor doing at 2 a.m. surveying the land in the dark on an alley? And how did he know those guys were following us when they were? we had just crossed the street and those guys were coming from this way? Um, and... So I was like, that was not just a human, <laughs> like, that was, that was an angel. And it's funny because I met up with my, that same friend uh, just a few months ago, and I told her that story, and she was like, oh my gosh, she was like, I've never thought about that, that's so freaky. Uh, and it freaked her out a bit. <laughs> but, um, so that was, you know, again, when I was just embracing the world. And then another time was my little brother had just been born, he was about a year old, and I had this little car, two-door car with his little, um, uh, what it was it called? Uh, you know, that thing that they strapped the babies in. Baby uh, chair. Yeah, baby chair in the back seat. So to put him in the car, I had to open my um, driver's door, lean the seat up, buckle him in, and then put the seat back and get in the driver's seat. And I had done all that because we, we went to the supermarket and we were leaving. And luckily my car door like you know those um things on your keychains that unlock and when you hit unlock it unlocks both doors well it just happened to be broken that week like it broke that week and so i had to manually unlock the driver's door before i did all that so it only unlocked my my door and i and this is in broad daylight i don't know why this happened but i unlocked the door and did all that got in the car closed the door and i was so just preoccupied by doing that Um, It wasn't until that moment I heard something on the other side of my car and there was a man trying to get in the passenger seat. And luckily that key ring happened to be broken. Otherwise that guy would have gotten in and I wouldn't have gotten out with a baby in the back. Like that's my little brother. I would not have left him. And, um, and and, you know, things happen like that all the time where people hop in the front seat and unfortunately this happens and they make the 
ladies drive somewhere and steal the car and do whatever. Um, but they, like, as soon as I saw him trying to get in, he, he couldn't get in, so he started coming around the front to my side, and I hit the lock, bu- lock button in the uh, center console, and my little brother, he might have been two because he was old enough to, to uh, say a few words, and he's like, Sissy, what's that man doing? And I was just like, hold on. <laughs> like, cause I'm just like, what is going on? And luckily he, he heard the lock and he, he paused and then he walked away. And looking back at that instance, that's another instance where it's God was watching out for me and he was there. And like, just, you know, when things happen, like your car ring breaks, sometimes it's not bad things happening. Sometimes it's, God looking after you <laughs> in future circumstances. Um, and also going through this time, I also, I've always been somebody who dreams dreams at night and have prophetic dreams. I've had horrible nightmares as well, but I've learned over the years to recognize what's nightmares, uh, what's my own spirit processing things, which that's what it normally is, and, and then what's um, prophetic dreams. And so even in this time, I remember specifically having a dream one night that the world was ending and things were going crazy and I looked up and I saw in the sky Jesus coming back to earth and I was like Jesus is coming back and I just ran and told everybody I was like Jesus is coming back Jesus is coming back and I woke up and I remember because I was living my lifestyle I was like oh my gosh I need to get my act together (laughs) because I need to start doing some good things Uh, what if Jesus comes back and um and I just remember writing that dream down, but and I don't think it represented, you know, Jesus coming back to earth at all. I think it represented Jesus was going to come back into my heart, like come back into my spirit, and I was going to start recognizing him. Because this happened maybe just a year or two before, like I really surrendered my life back to him. Um, and then there was another time I, I completely overdosed because I was going through a breakup with this guy who had cheated on me. And so I was like, I just want to get completely wasted, drank a whole bottle of rum, passed out, and had this vision of like, also I smoked some drugs that were laced, I believe. Um, but I ended up passing out and having this vision of like, what my funeral would be like, but then also another vision of um, what it would be like if I chose to live. And I remember that night was very sp- um uh, life-changing for me because like I remember Jesus being in the vision although I couldn't really see him clearly I knew I knew he was there and um, he showed me you know I was living outside of a city in this little um, like suburb area and I thought it was New York because I just always wanted to go to New York and I remember choosing in that while I was passed out I was like I don't want my funeral I want I want life and I promise if I live because I thought I was going to die. I promise if I live, like, I'll never drink. I promise God, because to me, back then, it was right and wrong. God is all about do this and don't do this. And so that's all I knew of God. So I was like, I promise I won't smoke, I won't drink, I won't do any of that bad stuff anymore. Just please let me live. And I woke up puking just everything up. Um, Sorry if that offends you. (laughs) But, yeah, and... Everything I had ingested came back up, and my best friend had called my mother. It was 4 a.m. to come pick me up, and um, because she didn't know what was happening to me, and um, yeah, so like I lived, and 
I remember out the next morning, despite the horrible hangover, I remember like saying, okay, not drinking anymore. I made that promise. But I think it was two weeks before I started drinking and doing drugs again. And, um, and I remember when I did that and chose to do it again, that lie came back into my life of you're not even good enough for God. Because the whole reason I did, I tried to overdose that night was because um, a guy had cheated on me, telling me, you're not good enough for him. Then I made that promise to God and chose to, um, chose to go back to that lifestyle, that lifestyle of the wrong things. And then I was like, well, I'm not good enough for God either. So that was like seeing that as like more lies that I'm learning during the season of my life. Um, and then about 19 years old, I met a girl in college, and, um, again, I was going through another breakup with the same guy, and she was like, <laughs> it's really funny, she was like, we need, you need to come to this place I went last week, um, and it's a, it's a church, and it's all college-age kids. She's like, you need to get yourself a good Christian guy, because they won't do crap like that to you. <laughs> And um, so I was like, okay. So we decided to go to this church together, and it's, it was Tuesday evenings. And we went, and I really got hooked. Like, um, just the wor- I just remember the, the worship, because it was all in the dark, which I liked. And I would see people raising their arms, and I'm like, what are they doing? And, but I would read the words on the screen, and it would just hit my heart so much. And I couldn't even sing them, because like, if I even opened my mouth, I would cry. So I think for three months I just would sit there in that dark room with all these people worshiping and I would just read the words on the screen and try not to cry and remember, and I would remember being a little girl. Like that's what I always remembered, that love that I had for Jesus as a little girl. And, and I felt like all the songs were pertaining right to my life in that second. So three months later, um, and I was living with my best friend at this time, uh, three months later I gave my life to God and said, okay, God, I'm fully committed to you, no matter what. Like, I don't even want the old life. I lost a lot of friends. And I think it was a few months after that, even my best friend moved to Texas because our lifestyles had become so different. Um, so, and that really affected me, too, because my best friend, she was, like, me and her very close. She was, like, the love of, like, at that time was, like, the love of my life. Um, like, boys were come and go, but your best friend didn't. And so... Um, I started, that girl that actually invited me to um, this college church, me and her got really close, and she she's my best friend now, and we've grown through so much together, because, you know, it, just the journey and stuff, and I've been through a lot of stuff since then. But um, in that moment, like, as I got into that, I jumped right into a relationship with a Christian guy, and he took me to another church that was a lot more religious, and I kind of, that blanket that I learned to live in of the world and embracing the spirit of the world, it's like in that moment when I chose God, I chose my version of what I knew to be God, of right and wrong. And it's like I traded in that blanket for a blanket of religion. So I really started, and I, and I was scared to be myself because the myself that I knew at that time was this wild, crazy girl that would do anything and just loved to... I was still introverted, but like when I'd go out with friends, I'd love to be crazy and 
um, just do fun things. And so um, when I kind of like got into religion and the especially like the Christian religion, I was really afraid to be myself. I didn't want to be this crazy girl. I didn't. I didn't know how to act, especially getting jumping right into another relationship. Um, and him being a Christian scared scared me to death because I was like, I've never been in a relationship with a Christian before. I was like, oh, this is going to be so different. Um, and so I just became this really powerless girl. And I don't know, have y'all done the Kylo sessions with Danny Silk? And um, the, the book Keep Your Love On, it's an amazing book. But there's a, there's a part in there about being a powerful person and with a powerless person and how the powerless person actually feeds the powerful person into being more of that powerful person. So that's kind of how that relationship went. I was powerless because I didn't know who I was. And I, that, and I don't blame this guy at all, but like that powerlessness of me not knowing how to stand up for myself, me not having a voice, I think really fed his, I need to be the powerful person, I need to take control here. And the fact that he was going, he had a lot of religious beliefs about God as well didn't help because um, he was very controlling religious-wise over who I was. So it was very much like you cannot go out of the house wearing that tight t-shirt. He even made me change out of a turtleneck, like those shirts that come up here, because it was too tight. And um, I wasn't allowed to go to the beach because I wasn't allowed to wear a swimsuit. Or I could go to the beach, but I had to wear clothes over my swimsuit. Um, And there was just so many other instances, like... I was told I, I didn't pray right because there's a model in the Bible of how you're supposed to pray. Um, I was told that he's supposed to be Jesus to me, like I'm supposed to respect him as much as I respected Jesus. And so all these things, like, um, also no cursing. <laughs> Don't say shit. Like, things like, like, it's like, no, we can't say that. And um, so I really, like, ha- could just everything, I was like, oh, I don't know what to say, I don't know what not to say. Um... It wasn't allowed to go out dancing. I love dancing. Like, I love going out dancing. And especially back then. And so I had to stop doing that. And I had to stop drinking. And this was when I was 20 years old. So then on my 21st birthday, I was still in this relationship. And I couldn't drink on my 21st. I'm like, I'm finally old enough to drink in America. No. And it's funny because the restaurant brings me all these free shots. And I'm like, oh, it's for my friends. I can't drink. Um, so it was just like a really interesting season of my life of like, okay, I'm learning what religion is. And um, all these lies that of being told what to do, what not to do, they became more lies I believed. So I still had those lies I was holding on to of you're not good enough. So then, you know, you try to do what's right and wrong to be good enough. And some of the lies I started believing in this season that added on to that was, oh, you don't pray right. Um, You can't even read your Bible right because I would read my Bible and God would speak to me through the Bible in the Spirit. I didn't know this at the time, but like, that's what I was really feeling. But then they started getting into, well, what this literally means is this. And I'm like, oh, I don't even pray. I don't even read the Bible right. Um, And then the fact that I could never memorize scripture and I still can't. I still can't like do the whole, oh, Romans 8, 
this says this. But I, it does pop up in my head, scripture, but I can't do the word for word. And this church was very much on, you have to know word for word and the version, King James version of what, or whichever version it was. Um, and the numbers and everything right. And so they would have like, you know, challenges of memorization. And the guy I was with was very good at that. And I was horrible. And he was always trying to teach me. And I, was, I just could never get it. I would try. And I would learn one one week. And then the next week I'd learn another one and forget the one I had the week before. <laughs> My mind just doesn't work like that. <laughs> um, and so I was like, oh, man, I I'm not a good Christian because I can't remember any of this. Um, and then, unfortunately, in that relationship, I, in, in many of the arguments that we had, the whole Eve got brought up a lot. And, um, oh, women can't be trusted because they're, they were responsible for the fall of man. And she's the one that tricked the man. And so women's intuition was not a good thing. Um, and so to me, I was like, oh, like, I started associating myself with Eve. And that brought a lot of shame on who I was, especially as a woman. Uh, and then also the church we were going to didn't believe in women speakers and that kind of stuff. So it was just really, that's, and that whole season only lasted, I don't know, maybe a year. Like it went by really fast. Um, and unfortunately that guy that I was dating, you know, we dated three months. After three months we got engaged. After, and six months into that we got married. And six months later we were divorced. So it was really fast. All that happened within that time span. And I learned a lot, but I just, like, it almost suppressed me so much that I just snapped. Because after, after we got married, and the whole reason we got married was just because of biblical stuff of we need to get married, and, um, but that's a whole other story. And <laughs> um, so just in the season after we got married, I think I just had hit rock bottom, and I was... Not really not knowing who I was I, and the whole suicidal um, thoughts that I struggled with in high school started popping back up and um, I started hurting myself again and just really because I had all this blame for who I was as a woman I think it just manifested in really bad thoughts um, hurting myself but then also I started like I had more nightmares at this time and then I also even started seeing like um, physical demons which I, I did as a child as well um, but I started seeing them more in that season and um, and it, I just lived in a lot of fear and a lot of shame and um, but even in those times like God was still there and for me, for sometimes it's, it, I think going through that, it makes it really hard for me to not get along with, but if somebody's really, really religious, it's hard for me to have a conversation with them. And I find it really hard to show God's love to those people because it's like they have this wall, sometimes it feels like they have a wall up to receiving it because they want to receive head knowledge of who he is. And, and that's something that I want to get better at. Um, but, yeah, so because God was still there for me, and I know God was still there for that guy. I don't know really what happened but um, with his life, but I hope that his life has turned out the same as mine, whereas God has done so much in the past nine years that completely different people. <laughs>
and and know God on such an intimate level that I never would have thought possible back then. And so no matter like what view we have of God and what blanket we have between him and us, whether it be, you know, that blanket of the world and sin, uh, sin or the blanket of religion or a blanket of idols, um, I think no matter what thing we put between him and God, like it doesn't change God's love for us. It doesn't change the way that God sees us because he, he sees right through that blanket um, and he sees the child that he created and he sees um, who he created each one of us to be. Um, even though that blanket does hinder our view of him, it doesn't hinder his view of us. Um, and I do, when I quote scripture in my, um, in my sermons and stuff, I will say, I do quote it out of context. <laughs> Just like, I don't know, God speaks to me through Disney movies, and that's quoted to me out of context as well because it's coming from God's spirit and God's speaking directly to my heart about something. And so when I was writing this, this scripture um, really spoke to me. And it says, I will, it's in Isaiah 42, and it says, I will lead the blind in a way they do not know. In paths they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light and the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do. I do not forsake them. And that verse just shows me, like, this is who God is. Like, he, the darkness that we have, he turns to light. And it's not something, I don't think darkness is something we have to, like, fight. I think it's just something that we have to shine. Like, if that makes sense, like, we shine God's light in it. And it's not darkness anymore. Um, we shine his love in those dark places. And it's not dark anymore. It's, it's healed. Um... That relationship that led to all those lies and secrets and manipulate there was a lot of manipulation in it. Um, yeah, it just like build it, it build and build, and and I got out of it because when I hit rock bottom, I tried to get out of it my own way, and that didn't work. It led to another whole new level of rock bottom for me, more lies of believing who I was, and and then. I just chose God, and I remember that was the first time of really starting when I when I chose again to go back to God after the reli- the religious thing. I remember that was the first time I really started feeling His Spirit speak to me, because uh, it, it was kind of like you know I've had these two things and I'm just all in. I don't you know when you're you're uh, when you're at rock bottom, you don't know you kind of don't have anything else to lose, so you're just like whatever, and. Um, I felt his spirit say, trust me. And so I was still, I was still in the marriage. This was right at the end. And I, I trusted him. And to me, not to go into it all, but he, he got me out of that marriage. And it was, I never thought that, that would have happened. Um, especially choosing to trust him because I, I just decided I'm not going to listen to that I can't pray right. I'm just going to do my relationship with him. And um, I think my notes are way behind where I'm at. Um, Yeah, so 
yeah, basically he, he just he brought me out of it and bringing me out of that season, um, I remember he just aligned everything and a girl came into my work that I hadn't seen in years and she was like, oh, where are you going to church now? And I was like, I'm not, I'm actually looking for a new church. She's like, I'll come to my church and um, it's, it's, it's really different. And I remember walking to, into this church, it was a husband and wife pastor and it scared me to death because the church I had just come out of just a week before, uh, or a few weeks before, um, had a hus- had they were against women speakers. So seeing a, a woman up there speaking, I was like, I don't know if this is right. Um, and then I started being warned about the old church, like, don't go to that church, like, it's it's not right. And um, so, so everything I've dealt with at Kingsway, I've dealt with before. But um, <laughs> the like I don't know I went sometimes and sometimes I didn't because I was afraid but in the end peace won and I went there and it's it led me to learning to hear God's voice and um and and really leaving behind that that blanket of religion and so I think you know I had gone from living for the world and for who the world says I should be to living for God and for Jesus and who Jesus says I'm and who God says I'm to be should be not really God religion <laughs> for religion and who religion says I should be um, and but it's not living for something we're just supposed to um, like even when that for something seems to be good like God it's um, living I've learned that it's living with God is what we're supposed to how we're supposed to live um, and living in that trinity of who he is, mind, or not mind, we are mind, body, and spirit, but he is Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, and living in a relationship with our Creator. And that's where we really discover who we are, because we're not going to find ourselves by looking out there. We're going to find ourselves by looking in here. And this is where God dwells within each and every one of us. And he put that inside of us from the beginning. It says he knew us before the beginning of time, you know, because he's outside of time. So in that moment he created Adam, he already knew you, and he knew who you'd be. He knew when you'd be created, exactly what moment you'd be on earth, exactly what time frame. Um, One of the first visions God gave me, um, as I discovered, like, oh, you could have visions with God, especially being such a spiritual person and having all these dreams. It's like, he can give you visions as well. And one of the first visions he gave me, um, where I recognized it as that being what it was, um, was... um, uh, It was... I saw him as a father, and he was a really long way off. And I I was just myself. And I was standing before him, but really far away. And there was nothing between us anymore. So I started to run to God. And as I ran with every step, I started growing younger and younger and younger. And then when I finally reached God, I was like two, like, you know, just a toddler. And I was like, Daddy! And he picked me up and swung me in his arms and he just hugged me. And that embrace, it was just, it was the embrace of a father, loving, a helpless two-year-old child um 
and I just I didn't really know at the time what that vision meant but looking back on the past eight years nine years of my life like ever since I, I left that relationship and that religion behind um, it's been a process like it hasn't it wasn't just a cut and dry I'm like oh I'm leaving religion now it's been a step-by-step process of letting things go that I realized weren't helping me but actually hindering my beliefs and um, I don't know it's it really has been where I have feel like I feel younger now at age 29 than I did at 20 um, or at 21 when I was going through a divorce and <laughs> feeling like oh the world has ended now and I've been through so much and now I feel like oh, I've been through so much and I have so much more to live for um, and so many more things to do and so many more adventures to be held and I feel like I just past nine years it's been a process of and it still is that journey of discovering who we are but again it's not going outside of looking out there in the world or in religion for who we are but it's finding God in here and that relationship that we have with him that tells us who we are or not not even tells us but like where we discover more of who we are because I believe everyone knows who we are, but we're just on that journey of discovering more. And I think we're always changing as well. I don't think we're made to stay the same person. Um, like once, once, I don't think we ever fully discover who we are because we are always changing. It's just like life, you know, rivers and oceans, it's always moving, it's always growing. Um, plants are always growing, we're always growing older. Um, and if we stay the same, we're just going to become stagnant and dead. So, <laughs> I keep going off on these little trails. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about that vision and, and being a child. Because that's really where God has shown me who I am, is being His child. And children, they kind of, you know, I remember being four or five years old and everything was everything was new, everything was wonderful, everything I saw was so intriguing. And the more I do relationship with God and the Spirit, the more I become, I know my identity as His child. I think that's the one thing in our identity that doesn't change, that really does remain the same. But we just grow in revelation from is knowing that we are His child. And um, children they're just full of wonder and adventure and dreaming of what they would be oh I want to be a doctor I want to be an astronaut they don't put limits on oh but I'm not smart enough and I'm not good enough and I don't have that kind of money they don't think about any of that stuff they just dream and they're like this is what I want to do I remember one of the things I want to do is I want to be the first girl on Mars like <laughs> that was one of my many dreams <laughs> I wanted to do everything and um and our father he loves he created the whole world and he loves that we dream because he made our hearts and he made our spirits and he even made our imaginations and that's where those dreams that we have inside of us no matter how crazy even going to Mars um, it, like he, I believe he's put those there I don't really want to go to Mars anymore but I love space and I love learning about the universe because when I look at the universe I see God 
Um, so just like over the past few years, just doing this life as God child, as God's child, I just want to share some stories. Um, I'll add some supernatural. I'm not somebody. I don't pursue the supernatural. I just live life in mind, body, and spirit, and supernatural things happen. Um, and so some of the examples I have, and it's really cool when they do. Like, I love it because God loves to surprise us. And I think having freedom and living in freedom allows him to surprise us. But when you start pursuing, I think when you pursue, I just want supernatural so bad or I want to see angels. And and if that becomes your main focus, I think it, you kind of stop doing that relationship with God and it stops I don't know, to me, it just stops happening. Like, I don't know, or you just get into the wrong things. Um, so just some things I want to share. Like, um, I'm always, I used to always lose my keys. I don't really do it so much anymore, which is actually good revelation I just had. But <laughs> uh, now that I say that, I'm going to lose them. <laughs> but I used to always lose my keys, and especially um, at iDestiny when I did the school in t- 2013. And... Um, I remember I put my keys, I had this drawstring bag, I was at Aldi, and I was getting my groceries, and I was getting ready to cycle back to Gatley Road, and my bag didn't close all the way, because it was a drawstring backpack, and it was stuffed with groceries, you know, trying to buy as much as you can to get on your bike and cycle home. Um... And so it didn't close all the way, and the only thing I had left to fit was my keys. So I was like, I'll just put them right here on top. <laughs> they won't fall out. They'll, they'll wedge their way in there. I did kind of wedge them in, you know, between some food. And then I put the little clip over them, and I thought, those are going to fall out. And then I told myself, no, they're not. And I got on my bike, and I cycled home. Well, guess what? They fell out somewhere. And... I got home and I emptied the whole backpack on that little front lawn at Gatley Road, full of groceries. My keys are not in there. I even turned the backpack inside out. I was like, my keys aren't here. So I had to wait till like one of my housemates got home to let me in. And then it was a whole week of going through, I can never go home alone because I always have to be with somebody because I don't have keys. Um, And then... I remember I was really frustrated one morning and putting my shoes on, and I was like, I just wish I had my keys. And I, I've heard the story, I don't know if you guys heard that story from Bethel, where they're like, I think he wanted a knife. He lost his knife, and he was like, Jesus, I just want my knife back. And the guy said it just popped and appeared right there on the bed. Well, I, um, my friend Caddy was with me, and she was putting her shoes on, and uh, with me as we were getting ready to walk here to school. And um, she was like, oh, I just say, Jesus, I want my keys back. I was like, yeah, I've heard that story. I was like, Jesus, I want my keys back. I said it just like that. Like I did, I said it very sarcastically and just because I didn't believe it would happen. <laughs> and I stood up after getting my shoes on and we were going to go out the back door for th- through the kitchen. We had just cleared the kitchen because we had breakfast. We had to clean it up. We had to wipe the counters down. So we were walking We were walking back through the kitchen counter, and my keys were sitting right there on the counter that we just wiped down. <laughs> and I, and me and Caddy both freaked out. <laughs> we just, and the funny thing is, is we both, the way we freaked out is we laughed. We laughed so hard. Like, we couldn't even talk. We just started laughing because we couldn't believe it. We're like, there's my keys. 
And um, I, I was just like, I can't believe this has happened. And then that same thing happened as well, like just a few months later, because we had a girl named Liz that did the school with us. And she, she was late one morning and she came in and she was like, I'm sorry, but I lost my keys to my house. Um, she's like, I put them on top of my car and I drove away. And so now I can't get back into my, into my house. Um, and I said, and I said, did you look in your bag? And she's like, yes, I've looked in my bag three times. And, um, and I was like, well, just say, Jesus, I want my keys back. Cause that happened to me last month. And then she was like, haha, yeah, Jesus, I want my keys back again, sarcastically. And, she, and then she just like looked in her bag and goes, ha! And like pulled her keys out. And she's like, this was not there a moment ago. So I don't know. That's long story, but it was a really cool one. <laughs> um, also, during the school, uh, it taught me that I have power over the weather and can change the weather through prayer. Um, and it doesn't always happen, but it's happened a lot, like a lot, a lot. Um, too many times to be coincidences and with lots of rainbows as well because <laughs> you know if you tell the rain to go away and the sun starts coming out a rainbow appears um, I find flowers all the time and I know that seems like well everyone can find flowers but it's like I've been walking on the beach wanting to just spend time with God twice this happened this year and this happened in 2014 I was walking along the beach talking to God in my head and flowers washed up on the shore, freshly picked daisies that don't, are not on the beach. And I had a whole bouquet of flowers by the end of one walk, and that was here on this beach in Formby. Um, a whole bouquet of freshly picked flowers with sea sand on them, not wilted yet, that came in from the ocean um, as I walked. And then the second time, this it was this year, I went to the beach to talk to God because um, I was like going through an argument with somebody and I just wanted to go for a run but then also to cry and just to process things with God and um, it was a really traumatic season that time and I was walking along the beach and there was a bouquet of flowers just washed in from the um, ocean and in South Carolina and it was the same exact type of flowers that I found at 4 b three years before. They're like daisies. And um, I was like, oh, thanks, God. Like, it was just a good reminder of, like, don't worry. Everything's going to work out. Because at that time, I was waiting for my visa to come through. I didn't know if I would be able to get back into the country. My husband was living here. I was living there. I wanted to be home for Christmas and for his birthday, which was that next week. <laughs> and, we, and I had no word from the visa agency. So it looked like I wasn't even going to be here for Christmas. And, and I was arguing with somebody at the time, so it just, that whole time just didn't help. But then seeing those flowers was just that beautiful reminder that God's got everything, and I am loved, like, in that moment. And, and in that whole storm as well. And like, just to focus on the fact that God's there. Um, I've had money up here in my wallet. It, be, it was, like, five pounds, and... I think another time was $15, but, um, so it wasn't much, but it was something that I needed. Like I needed to afford dinner one night and five, and I was at a conference and five pounds appeared in my wallet that I knew was not there. And then I was at a conference. I bought a book with my last $15 driving home and I almost got home and or I almost ran out of gas on the way home and I didn't have any money. And I looked and that $15 was back in my wallet. And, um, I've eaten, like, some really cool, another cool story 
too about dreaming about dreams like some prophetic dreams I have um I had a dream about a guy named Doug Addison I had no idea who Doug Addison was and but he was in my dream and we were friends and um he was doing a conference and I was at his conference and people were prophesying and I got prophesied over in the dream and I just remember it really I don't remember the details of that dream but I just remember it really impacted me and I, I wrote it down in a journal somewhere and I woke up and I was that weekend I was going to Orlando Florida to because I was in a friend's wedding and so I was like, I wonder if Doug Addison's a real person. So I Googled him, and I'm like, oh, he speaks on the prophetic. <laughs> and um, he was having a conference that weekend in Orlando. So I was like, oh, I have to go to that conference. And it was free. <laughs> he was speaking at two different churches. So I was like, okay, I'm off Friday, and I'm off Sunday morning. So I'm going to go to both of those, and I'm just in this wedding on Saturday. So it was an amazing weekend. Even the wedding was just amazing. Because um, the wedding, I'm actually Skyping with her today, but she is she has a prophetic ministry now. And um, so, like, it was cool. Got to meet Doug Addison. He prophesied over me. Um, and, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, that whole conference came from a dream. And then, or like a dream that you have in the night. And then um, I had another dream one time. I, like, I, I've been to India quite a lot. And India is probably a place that I love. A country I love, you know, pretty much most in the world. <laughs> but just, I don't know if I ever want to live there again, but uh, I do want to go back for several weeks. And, um, and I know I have a calling there as well. But I was really, India was really on my heart one month and I couldn't stop thinking about it and it had been a year since I had been and I was just really wanting to go back and God had promised me I'd go back one day um, but I remember it was it was like the one year anniversary of the last time I had been to India so like I was like oh a year ago I was on a plane heading to India right now and I remember and I was wrapped up in my little blanket that I had gotten from India and I went to sleep and I dreamed that I was at this um, in a room with a friend of mine named Pratap, and he was playing um, he was playing a good uh, worship in the dream, and I could feel the presence of God in the dream. And I was just I was looking out, and I saw all these Indian women, some kids, and a few men, and I was like, Oh, do I know any of them? And I didn't know a single one. And I was like, the only person I know in this room is Pratap. And I was like, but I could feel God's presence. I was like, oh, I just am happy to worship. And so and I, in my head, I remember thinking, I'm not going to know the words, though. And he started singing, um, bless the Lord, O my soul. And so he started singing, bless the Lord, O my soul. And I was surprised it wasn't in Hindi. Um, and, you know, everyone's worshiping, and I'm singing, bless the Lord, O my soul. And that woke me up singing that song. And I could st- as I woke up, I still felt the presence of God. And then it was about three or four days later, Pratap uploads, like this is in the real world now, not in a dream. Pratap <laughs> uploads a video of, because um, he's the head, I don't know if you've heard of Burn 24-7, but he has a ministry there called Burn 24-7, and he goes around playing worship. And he was like, oh, this is last week's Burn session in in Hubli, I think was the town, somewhere I've never been in India. And... Um, and I, so I decided to watch it. And I look, and it was like, I was like, that looks just like from my dream. Like, the same amount of people, the same little white room. 
and he's um, playing music. He had a few other people playing instruments with him, but and I was just watching it, and, and like you know, they weren't say, they weren't saying any words at first. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And he just he starts singing. He's like, bless the Lord, and I was just like, I just got goosebumps, and I was like, oh my gosh, I think I was there in my dream. But um, yeah, so like that was just really cool, and that to me wasn't about going back to India or needing to go back it was just like God's like I hear your heart don't worry you'll go back here's a little you know I think he just took me there in the spirit to satisfy that desire that he put within me um I Josh through a prophetic dream <laughs> Remember, like I had a dream about Josh right before we met that I was going to have a, really, a new friend and it was yeah basically I knew it was Josh when we met um and I, I, the funny thing is, is I still, all these amazing dreams happen, and I still have horrible nightmares happen as well. They don't terrify me. I never even call them nightmares because I'm not afraid of them. I'm just like, ooh, I had a weird dream. Like, <laughs> this demon was after me or something. But um, I used to be very focused, or not focused, but like focused on the demonic and the angelic. And I used to visit or physically see demons sometimes like in huh what did they look like they're ugly (laughs) like i don't know they're not all the same but uh, i think it's like angels like their angels are all different as well but um and but i just i would see them especially in the night like waking up and seeing it physically in my room or before i go to bed or have it just appear but um i and they used to terrify me. They used to appear and scare me to death. And then I just decided not to be afraid of them anymore. So I, this was about, I think it's been three years now. And I just remember one, the last time I saw one, I woke up, it was in a, just standing in the corner of my room, and it was quite big, and I just was like, I just looked at it, and I was like, out, out loud, I was like, well, it says one third of heaven fell. So that means two angels are in this room. I'm going back to bed. I've never seen one since. <laughs> And, and it doesn't mean that they're not there, but it's, and, but I just know that it's, I don't care. <laughs> and, um, they have no power over us, like, but fear. So I just chose not to be afraid anymore because God is bigger. And, um, and it's just living from that place of being a child. And I know children get afraid, but like, we are made to be victorious and we're not made to fear because we're made to live from that spirit of God and God is not fear God um, you know he's always victorious even when things don't seem like they're going to be victorious have you ever watched watched a movie any movie it always seems like you know the the person's about to be victorious the battle is about to be won and it's never that easy it's always the, the hero is winning, the hero is winning, and then something horrible happens to make it look like the villain wins, but the hero always wins in the end. And I think that's so prophetic because I think God is, in so, God is so much in creativity because I believe we're all creative. We are all artists. I don't care if people say, think they're not talented. I don't care if people say they're not artists. I'm like, well, you are. <laughs> you just don't know yet. Um, but I think God speaks so much through creativity that, and that speaks to me so much about who we are as being victorious is like even when 
that last battle or that big battle is happening in our lives and something always happens to make it seem like to take our hope away um but in that moment it's just choosing to hold on to hope because that's what being a child does like they don't they don't lose hope um, because they have faith and that faith comes through those eyes of a child I don't even know where I am in my notes anymore. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just the that faith because children, they just have it. You know, they put all their faith in their parents. And, like, me being a child, I had all this faith in Jesus. because, And that's, I remember, I, I knew Jesus. And I had experiences with him. I had imaginary friends, which I believed were angels back then. <laughs> um, and now it's just learning to live like that again. Um, to be that child and but to also you know as adults we um, we don't rely on our parents anymore we learn we learn to be self-sufficient and so it's learning to be a child in the spirit but an adult in the world because God gives us that gift of freedom and that it's such a big gift that if you don't know how to handle it it's it, it could easily make you crumble that freedom you know but you have to steward it well because everything happens in God's timing. And so with the dreams that we have and with the things that we pursue in life, um, I, I just want to advise don't put a time limitation on your dreams. Uh, this has to be accomplished by now, but just trust God that it's going to happen in His timing. Um, and... Yeah, I've completely gone off my notes, but um, basically it's just about learning to rely on God, to be His child, live from faith. Children, they live from faith. They live from purity. Um, children don't strive for purity. They are pure. Like, it's just who they are, and it's who they're created to be. And have you ever heard a child say a swear word? A swear word? There's no bad thing connected to a swear word or a curse word. I don't know if you even have curse words in Germany because <laughs> but um, in America we do and <laughs> um, but children they say it. it's so cute <laughs> because they don't know what it means and but they're just pure and it's who they are and so they just live like that and um, they live through trust of trust in their in their father and their parents and I know that's their earthly parents, but we're lit, we're to made as that child, trusting in our Father, trusting in our Creator, because um, I think God is both Father and Mother Heart. So it's learning the mother side of God as well, that Comforter, um, that you know that we are always going to be provided for and looked after and and loved. Um, and children also learn by observing, Ob- observing, observing. And when our eyes are focused on God, we observe Him. We observe how He does life. And because that Spirit's in us, it just blooms and comes out of who we are. And they also, children, receive. They know how to receive. And this is probably like my biggest struggle is receiving. But that's what children, children are great at receiving. Um, receiving. And I think that's why they, it's good to, like, I don't know, just learn from children and I observe children I'm like that's how I want to live with the father they'll go up to you and be like can I have a dollar like I just you know if they, if they want a, a pop or something and um 
So it's just they have no trouble with asking and they have no trouble with receiving. And have you like especially when it comes to love, a child a child that knows that they're loved will go up to their parent, crawl into the lap, even if the parent's busy, just to be cuddled. And I think that's where another area of life, just doing life as God's child, spending time with him just by being still and cuddled on his lap, in his presence, and receiving that love. Because when we live in that love, we're able to pour out that love to the world. Not letting our objective be, I need to go love the world, but just being God's love and letting it come out. Um, yeah, and just being his child, it's like how children have the DNA of their parents. Um, like I look into each and every one of your eyes and I see the eyes of God because you have his eyes. I also love how our eyes kind of look like planets in the universe. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has ever noticed that, but um, <laughs> I love looking at people's eyes like, oh wow, you have really beautiful eyes. Um, but yeah, like I just believe we all reflect God. And I think um, when we have our eyes fixed on God, we see the world through His eyes. And He will highlight who we need to talk to. And it's not like something where you're consciously like, God, who I need to talk to. It's just like breathing. It's something you naturally do. It's never anything that you try to do. It's just you do life and people are going to walk in and you're going to sit next to somebody. They're going to start up a conversation with you. And it's knowing that piece of, oh, I'm supposed to talk to them. Or, oh. And, and sometimes like it's like you don't feel, you might be tired and exhausted, but you feel that piece of this is where God is right now. And God's in this conversation, and God's doing something, and God, I want to be a part of it. Um, it all boils down to relationship and finding Him, or not finding Him, but just being on a day-by-day discovery of who He is, because He's always revealing more of Himself to us, and just as we're always growing, I think He's always revealing and so I literally have learned just to do everything with him. Because even when you do everything with him, like, nothing is hard. Um, and nothing... I, I hate the word sin. I really hate that word. But I think sin is just doing something apart from God. Um, because if you're doing something with God, you're, you can't sin doing it. Like, I mean... Yeah, like, just... You don't want to do something, you don't want to, you're not going to shoot a guy. There we go. I'm trying to think of a good example, like this is not the best example. You're not going to shoot a guy if you're like, God's doing this with me. Like, <laughs> because that's not who God is. Like, God's not going to do that with you. Um, so, one of my favorite things to do with God is I love watching movies. I love watching movies. And when I watch movies, I hear God's voice in them. Same with reading the Bible. I can, I can watch a movie and hear God just as easily I can re- as I can read my Bible. I, I love reading my Bible. Um, I love running with God because running brings my mind stillness um, and it helps me to not, like, it's like taking time out to just run and to not not have to be doing something because I'm somebody who I'm like, I always have to be doing something. Um, 
but running helps me not, even though I am kind of doing something. Uh, but God, it's like gives me time to process and my mind to be clear. So and God just gives me ideas and speaks to me in those times, or I see things. I had a bird start flying next to me a few weeks ago, just a little yellow bird, or it was like brown and yellow, and it was flying right beside me as I was running. I was like, that's cool. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I just think that's God, because God, I think God's in the animals as well, it says in Genesis. Um, so I love hiking with God. I love journaling with him. That's that's probably the best. If, I, if I'm going through a season where I feel like I cannot hear God, God, I can't hear you in this, Get out a pen and a piece of paper and just start writing. Don't know what you're going to write, but just start writing, and God will reveal himself to you. Um, I just, in yoga, I love, I love yoga and just being still with God and just focusing on that breath because he is inside of us and he is outside of us in our outside circumstances too. And I find yoga prophetic as well, just in that, in that way of he's, he's in here and he's out there and the breath isn't something we're always thinking about, but it's something we're always doing, and it gives us life. Um, so it's just involving him in every single area of your life. Uh, work, relationships, finances, food, movies, fitness. I, I love fitness. That's another thing I involve him in. Shopping. Shopping's a big one because there's so many times where it's like, you really shouldn't buy that because it's not in the budget. Um, the more we see more of him, the more we see him in these things, the more we just live from his kingdom, but on earth. Because I believe his kingdom's here. And it's just that thing of lifting the veil more and more. Um, life with him is wild and crazy. <laughs> it's not boring, that's for sure. And he will call you to do impossible things. Um, so when that happens, the world is going to say, no, don't do that. That's impossible. Um, or you should, like, you will come against people who say, no, don't do that. Um, or that is impossible. But one of my favorite quotes is by Audrey Hepburn. And she says, um, she's like, impossible. There's no such thing as impossible because the very word says I'm possible. (laughs) I am possible. Um, and that's just that's life with God like everything is possible and um, there is no dream that's too big if you if you dream it like go after it Um, and as children we can say yes because we know our father said it's possible and children believe and have faith and yeah that's the end of my notes But I just want you all to know that you are his child. And I know you all know that. But just, we're just on that day-by-day discovery together. And learning to see things through his eyes, being his child, and living for him, but not, you know, I think it's always stepping out of fear. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.